good evening. My name is Duane Nelson and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. And neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Harry Clifford Kinley in the year, excuse me, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The President is Dr. Edward Ewell. And the Vice President, Dr. Ron Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not named. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that will produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah, the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh and his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud in like manner. Everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state 
of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape, took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal form with, excuse me, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and the title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also, at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in the vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims are as follows. First, to help you know and to help you find, excuse me, and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without, distinct without distinction or race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers laid in men. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to deserve and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once given, delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now 
in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace. Our slogan, speak the truth. Once again, I'd like to welcome everyone to tonight's lecture. We'll have class dedicated in prayer by Dr. April Lewis, followed by scripture, Acts, the second chapter by Dr. Lauren Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good evening, class. Good Let evening. us bow our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we wanna thank you for allowing us to be present tonight. We ask that you cause us to focus on what's being said and not the distractions that may be around us. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for that. And we thank you for everything that you've done for us. We ask that you continue to give us an understanding of your purpose, your pattern, and your plan of salvation and cause us to know that knowing something about you is the only way that we could be saved. Cause us to really understand that and know that you are our only hope of glory. So we thank you for everything and we ask you that you just continue to watch over us and, and love us. And we thank you for those things. And we ask all these things in Yahshua the Messiah's name. Let us say hallelujah. 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 I would like to say good evening to the class. And I'll be reading out of the King James Version, substituting the true names where appropriate. Displayed on your screen is the Holy Name Version. That's Acts, the second chapter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and the Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of Yahweh. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? 
Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith Yahweh, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of Yahweh come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Yahshua Nazareth, a man approved of Yahweh, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which Yahweh did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined consul and foreknowledge of Yahweh, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom Yahweh hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw Yahweh always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch of David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that Yahweh had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Messiah to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of the Messiah, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Yahshua hath Yahweh raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of Yahweh exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, Yahweh saith unto my master, sit thee thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that Yahweh hath made that same Yahshua whom you have crucified, 
both Savior and the Messiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Yahshua the Messiah for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as Yahweh our Elohim shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same, excuse me, clay, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them, excuse me, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising Yahweh and having favor with all the people. And Yahweh added to the congregation daily, such as were being saved. That was Acts, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for... Uh, your prayer, and Dr. Lewis for the scripture reading. Once again, I'd like to welcome everyone out uh, to tonight's lecture. Uh, looks like we have uh, a few visitors, the visiting brethren with us uh, from various schools. We welcome you, and as well as our, our, our class members here, we welcome you back again to another lecture. And um, before we start, just want to remind you guys to make sure that you... Uh, Keep your uh, phones on and your devices, excuse me, on silent and videos off unless called to speak. And it's with pleasure tonight that I call on our first speaker for this evening from our Northside uh, Chicago branch, the Dean of the Northside Chicago branch, Dr. John Quates. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Um, Happy and glad to be here. Um, I usually have a hard time with my computer for whatever reason. I just don't know if I'm not clear. Uh, I will give a testimony and look forward to hearing what thus says Yahshua the Messiah. Give them all honor and glory. Um, there's nothing really on my heart and mind except I'm just learning. I'm just thankful that uh, I have an opportunity to, uh, to know anything about Yahshua the Messiah. And um, 
right now my mind is I'm just this event that we're getting ready to do. This is just on that a lot, and I do apologize uh, for things going on. And I'm just hoping that Yashua's name is glorified, and that uh, just hoping that his name is glorified in righteousness. And with that, I'm just gonna yield the floor. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Quaite. And I know we are are looking forward to uh, this coming weekend. Um, we're a pleasure to call on our next speaker. Joe, are we moving on as planned? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, from our Lansing branch, uh, the dean of uh, the Lansing School, Dr. Terry Welch. Dr. Welch. Well, good evening. Let me switch to my headphones because I'll be much better off to hear. You gotta unmute, unmute yourself, Terry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, you're probably still switching. Just okay, can you, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, let me get rid of this. I'm sorry, I had multiple devices and I know sometimes things don't work so well one way versus the other. All right, um, so yes, uh, as... Uh, Dr. John Quaites mentioned, you know, we've got the upcoming session here. It has to do with the wrath of Yahweh. And I've been for some time now looking at the ages and dispensations and the wrath of Yahweh ultimately will be manifest in as the lake of fire, of course. And uh, of course there are plagues and punishments and so forth going on uh, before that. Um, and in fact, they read a transcript this morning. Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear the whole thing, but in the uh, session that Lenore has, uh, I heard little bits and pieces of this and it had a transcript of Dr. Kinley uh, talking about how there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and um, that's an absolute fact that's that's going to happen um let me focus a little bit on the ages and dispensations and the revelation of yahshua and what's going to happen uh, at the universal revelation of yahshua because as i mentioned Yahweh's ultimate wrath, the lake of fire, will come after that. He's going to consume the creation with the fire, and that fire will also be the burning of all those souls that are uh, alienated from the body of Yahshua. Um, and there's some things that have to happen before that can take place, and we are so close to that. I I've just been just absolutely uh i'm not quite sure what to say about it uh, um 
amazed, it's not an appropriate word even, but at uh, the fact that we are so close to uh, the time when Yahweh is going to pull the curtain, so to speak, or, or ultimately have this revelation of Yahshua, which will include the consummation of the universe, the resurrection of the dead, uh, both of the righteous and the unrighteous, uh, some to contempt and some to glory, and then that ultimate wrath of Yahweh. We are so close to that because certain things had to happen prior to that leading up to it. And I, I still remember uh, when I came in the school, which was the end of 1973, people were talking about the end of the world, end of the world and doing dates and, or at least years. And at that time we were told 1996 had to be the absolute limit uh, for this creation. And obviously it went way past 1996 on the uh, Gregorian calendar. And uh, so um, we realized there were certain things that had to be done. And in 1975, <clears throat> there was the last international convention. Dr. Kinley attended that convention that was in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that was pointed out was related to the uh, theme of the convention, and the theme scripture had to do with Matthew 24, 14, and 15. In fact, uh, would you mind reading Matthew 24, 14, and 15? Matthew 24 and 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Mm hmm when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Okay. Now, Dr. Kinley used that scripture many times, but one of the things about it is in the 14th verse. And it was emphasized that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. And then, and only then, shall the end come. Now, these are the words of Yahshua. And uh, in fact, the entire chapter of the 24th chapter of Matthew is basically Yahshua's response to a question, uh, three questions all rolled into one, which the uh, disciples had asked him in the third verse. And, you know, he asked, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of his coming and the end of the world? And this is the one verse that is like a direct response to when shall this be? He says, well, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. Now, in 1975, it was pointed out that the traditional fundamentalist Christian gospel had been at least exposed to every nation under heaven and and pretty much as far back as the well i don't know which century but you know quite a long time because the european uh i'm trying to think of the word the europeans when they went throughout the world and and colonized uh different areas took with them their um religious people my mind's 
not thinking of the right words right now, but, and when they did this, they tried to introduce their version of Christianity. And this, you know, happened to pretty much all the world. There's a quick, real current day note about this, very relevant this week. And that is that one of the things that occurred was uh, in Canada, as just one example, there had been uh, a number of Roman Catholic schools, they called them, formed for the local people, for the native peoples that were in Canada. And a lot of the children were basically ripped away from their families. They were they were kidnapped, I guess is the word, and put into these indoctrination schools. They were treated very terribly. There was, you know, what we today would call torture, child abuse, rape, murder, uh, all kinds of things. And they uncovered many bodies uh, of these children here a while back. And the Pope just a few days ago, I think it was on the second of this month, made a worldwide apology to them, to the native peoples where this had happened in Canada. And he's planning on coming over or had said that he was planning on coming over to Canada to make an in-person apology about this because this affected thousands of kids and it was just terrible what they had done. And, um, you know, now they're calling for uh, a number of other actions related to it. But the point is that when these people went around the world, they brought the traditional gospel of Christianity and those in the traditional gospel of Christianity would go to this 24th chapter of Matthew and say that their gospel, of course, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they're claiming is the one that spoke this in Matthew 24. Well, the point that was made in 1975 was that that gospel, that gospel of the kingdom had already gone throughout all the world and the end had not come and that in itself was proof that their gospel was not this gospel of the kingdom or this gospel of Yahshua, who had made this statement here in Matthew 24. So that gospel could not be this gospel. And there, that gospel had failed to bring the end of the world. Now, I want you to understand that Yahshua commissioned and intended for this gospel of the kingdom to be preached in all the world. And there's a reason for it that leads up to his universal revelation and the consummation. Would you go to Mark 16, verse 15 and 16? Mark 16, and say that again. I'm sorry, Dr. Walsh. Dr. Welch, can you say the scripture again? 
Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Okay, Mark 16 and 15. Yep. And he said unto them, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, thank you. Now, this is Yahshua's commission to his apostles, and he's commissioning them right before Pentecost, and you just read in Acts, the second chapter, about, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and Peter began to preach um, the gospel of Yahshua, and they would be saved. They had to uh, believe it in order to be saved. And he's commissioning these apostles here in Mark 16, 15 and 16, it's recording. And he says specifically to them, go ye into all the world. Now, that's related to Matthew 24, 14, where this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. And he's commissioning them to go in all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And I think there's a place for Dr. Kinley uh, said white man's a creature too, which is a good thing. Okay. In other words, regardless of race, creed, sex, caste, or color, we're all Yahweh's creatures. And we can be sons of Yahweh by faith in Yahshua, the Messiah. But this preaches the gospel and the gospel is preached for a witness. And the reason you say it's for a witness is because what it does is it gives the witnesses, it gives the proof, witness, evidence, testimony of Yahshua being the Savior, being the one that's fulfilling the will of Yahweh, being the one who died according to the scriptures, taking away sin, was buried, and his body with those sins put on that physical body. That body was burned up or dematerialized. And when he raised, he raised a quickening spirit and that is, the sins were gone. So he literally took away the sins of the world or sin of the world. And, um, and then it says that uh, here in Mark 16, 16, it says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved and he that believes not shall be damned. Now, that's pretty cut and dried. It's pretty straightforward. The gospel needs to be preached, needs to be preached by the preacher or the teacher, which is the Holy Spirit, in someone. He's not preaching it from the sky. You know, there's not a big booming voice coming out of outer space or out of a cloud, you know, like in a comic. Uh, it's being preached through people, souls, and the, those souls are not just unconscious uh, instruments. They are souls that have received the Holy Spirit, are endued with power by the Holy Spirit, and are actually communicating the words of the Spirit Yahshua said, the words I speak are spirit and are life. And when this gospel is preached by those souls, by Yahshua in those souls, then that gospel that is preached becomes a witness 
to those that hear and they are convicted. They, they either are going to accept it or reject it. And if they reject it or believe not, they shall be damned. It's pretty simple. And it's really scary when you think about the finality of this and what that means. Now, let me go back to the part where it says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. What is that referring to? He that believes the gospel, believes Yahshua, believes his gospel, and is baptized into the body of Yahshua. And I'm baptized into water in this age. And I hope everybody on this call is aware of that. You're not baptized in this age in water. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether you're Jew or Greek, bond or free. That's why it's every creature. And you're all made to drink into one spirit. I think that's a quote from, isn't that 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, something like that? Um, why don't you get that just to see if that's accurate? And you can read it so you know that what I'm telling you is in the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made, excuse me, have and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Mm -hmm. For okay. the body, okay. Yep, no, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, read another verse. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Okay, let me just pause. Now he goes on for several verses and talks about what it means to be a body and members of the body of Yahshua. Uh, we are all supposed to be members of the body of Yahshua. Please keep that in mind. And this is the body of Yahshua that's going to be revealed from heaven at his universal revelation. And so all of those souls that are incorporated into Yahshua, which is being baptized into him, which is being uh, made part of his body and, and translated into his kingdom, all these individuals as souls have to be brought into the body of Yahshua for his body to be complete and Yahshua is not going to be revealed <clears throat> with a body that is broken or missing body parts. When he is revealed, he will have every member of his body. And so that's why there's a number of scriptures where it talks about that we're all going to be uh, glorified with him and it will be seen with him. Um, now, let me go back to another verse, couple verses. Get Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, please. And then Ephesians 1, 9 through, through 12 is good. Isaiah. Isaiah 46 and 9. 9 through 10, yep. Remember the former things of old, 
For I am Yahweh and there is none else. For I am Yahweh and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. Mm-hmm. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Right. Okay, good. So Yahweh is saying here that he is going to declare the end from the beginning. Now that has a number of applications or manifestations. One of the things, I'm just going to focus on one aspect of it, is that he's declaring what will happen at the end of this age, starting from the beginning of the age. And what you just read in Mark 16, 15, and in Matthew 24, is Yahshua talking about what is going to happen at the end of the age. But the process for this started at the very beginning of the age. And at Pentecost there, as you read in Acts 2, the gospel began to be preached, and as many as were to be saved were added to the assembly. And the, the assembly technically is supposed to be the church or the body of Yahshua. So Yahshua is actually baptizing members into his body beginning 2,000 years ago, approximately, at Pentecost. And how is he doing it? It is through the preaching of the gospel. And there are some that believe and some that don't. Those that don't will be damned. Those that do will be baptized into his body and saved as part of the body of Yahshua. And the end of this, sorry, mute the phone. The end of uh, what will happen in the end of this age, which is also the end of time. It is time will end at the universal revelation of Yahshua and the consummation, which will bring about his ultimate wrath with the lake of fire. That is declared right from what he's doing at the beginning of the age. Um, And then in the Ephesians, it kind of relates to that. So if you'd go ahead and read Ephesians 1, 9 through 12. Ephesians 1 and 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in the Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in the Messiah. Okay, now I'll just focus on the beginning of that for the moment. Um, First of all, let, let me say this, that entire 
statement in, in much of what Paul is writing about in the first chapter of Ephesians. He is talking about we and us, which he is talking about the apostles. He is talking specifically about himself and the other apostles. In this case, to be those that Yahweh has made known the mystery of his will to. He made known that to the apostles by the Holy Spirit. And it was therefore, of course, from the apostles preaching that others learned of it. And Paul is writing to a group of them at Ephesus that he had preached to, and he's explaining some more about the purpose of Yahweh and what's going to happen. And you know, Dr. Kinley talked about this two great mysteries, the mystery of righteousness and unrighteousness, uh, all being part of what Yahweh is doing in his purpose or his will. Well, Paul said Yahweh had made known unto him and the other apostles the mystery of his will. And Dr. Kinley talked about the fact that once something is explained, revealed, it's no longer a mystery. The mystery's finished. The mystery's out of it then. It's gone out of it because now it's explained. It's not a mystery anymore. You know, if you see a magician do what people will call a magic trick, okay, a sleight of hand kind of trick, they do something that you're not recognizing. They do it right in front of you. And if this magician is really good about it, you're not seeing what he is doing in order to make the event appear that is you marvel at and you go, wow, how'd that happen? Well, you know, a magician is normally not going to reveal his secrets. He's keeping them a mystery. But if he reveals it to you and then you see him do it, you go, oh, now I see it. The mystery is gone to you. It's no longer a mystery. And what Yahweh's been doing all the way on down, man, is not understood. Colonel Mind just can't think on a spiritual level. And therefore, to Colonel Mind, everything Yahweh's doing is a mystery. Um, it would be to almost every person in the world a mystery, almost an inconceivable mystery. Why? Yahweh would allow such evil to take place as this butchery that is going on in Ukraine right now by Vladimir Putin and his army. That's all part of Yahweh's will. Anyway, Paul said that Yahweh had made known unto him the mystery of his will. So in other words, he understood it. And if he made that known according to Yahweh's good pleasure, in other words, it pleased Yahweh to explain this and reveal this to Paul and the apostles so that they could preach it. And that this will of Yahweh, his purpose that he was pleased to reveal was purposed right within himself, right back when he took on shape and form and then manifest the creation right in the beginning. It's in other words, everything is set by the pattern. It has to happen within the limits and bounds or the parameters of the pattern. It can't get outside the pattern or can't escape the pattern. And 
the aspect he's focusing on is in verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in the Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. What does that mean? I, I think this may be the only scripture in the Bible that uses the word dispensation in exactly the way Dr. Kinley used it when he had the dispensations and ages chart drawn. And let, you've got the dispensations and ages chart up. And let me just say, just so you understand it, and most of everybody here probably knows it. This dispensations and ages chart is, um, I think at least the fourth version of a dispensations and ages chart and all of them were somewhat different. And none of them did or can or were intended to include every event that Yahweh had planned out to happen in order to advance his purpose. But this chart shows the seven ages or stages of the development of Yahweh's purpose from inception to conclusion or from beginning to ending. And each age is a stage. I've got a new great grandson and I'm watching him grow now. And he is going through different ages or stages of development. And you can see day by day that he's maturing and going through different what we call milestones okay in other words things are happening that we expected to happen but he wasn't able to do two days ago now he does it or does it more that's what happens in Yahweh's purpose he is unfolding and developing his purpose and it is becoming more developed toward the end goal of Yahweh's purpose through different ages or stages. And they have to occur in the order that they are. The most simple example is that you had to have the first age before you could have any of the rest of them. What is the first age? It's the creative age. You have to have the creation before anything else can happen with the creation. Then after that, you have to have the next age, the antediluvian age, but what happens in that age and what is the characteristic of it? It is an age of conscience where the conscience of mankind is condemned and where this condemned conscience is allowed to be man's guide because Yahweh didn't give commandments to man in that age for them to follow for righteousness. And he allowed them to follow their conscience, which just made them worse and worse and worse by the time of Noah. How did it get that way? Well, it's what happened right at the beginning of the age. You had the transgression in the Garden of Eden, and that first dispensation occurred. What is that first dispensation? It's the dispensation with Adam. In Adam, all die. Why is that? Because Adam sinned and the, all life, all humanity, all the seed of 
all human life was in the loins of Adam, was in Eve when they sinned. And so death passed upon all men, for all had sinned. It was inherited is kind of the idea. It passed upon all men. And so they all came into condemnation right at the beginning of the antediluvian age, which marked the beginning of time. And please put that in your mind. What event started time? The transgression in the Garden of Eden. That's when the sun started going down. Yahweh allowed him to stay in the garden until the cool of the evening. But the sun of Yahweh and the sun in the sky had to go dark and be driven into darkness or underground, so to speak, go into a burial, a death and a burial of darkness because of the transgression. The wages of sin is death. And so now this is the world turning, so to speak. And that began time. Now, time is going to have an end, okay? And the end of time is going to be after the sixth dispensation is complete and finished. And there has to be each of these dispensations or operations or administrations. And Yahweh uses ministers or administrators to carry out the primary functions, his primary functions, in each one of these dispensations. The administrator in the first one was Adam. What did he do? He brought death in the world. The administrator of the second dispensation was Noah. What did Noah do? He preached the gospel of his time and offered salvation to those people and built an ark as a way of escape from the impending destruction. And so uh, that occurred. And then the, in the, you come over into a whole new age or a whole new world because mankind, other than those saved in the ark, had been wiped out with the flood and you come into a new world everything is cleaned up and you come into this new age new world called the post-diluvian age and now things go on to the next phase or stage of Yahweh's purpose and Yahweh gives Abraham a promise and unfolds a purpose that promise cannot be fulfilled for a period of time. It's not going to be fulfilled until really the day of Pentecost is the beginning of that being fulfilled, which you read in Acts 2. And um, so everything is coming down again. So yeah, in other words, Yahweh promises Abraham what is a symbol of heaven, but he also tells him that before that is obtained, he first, his seed has to go down in bondage and has to be held there until the iniquity of the Amorites is full. And he gives a time period, you know, the 400 years or 430 years, which is a representation of the 4,000 years, 400 years wait with Abraham's seed is a representation of the 4,000 years that mankind will be under the penalty of Adam's sin from Adam all the way on down to Yahshua. And then it's 30 years after that that Yahshua brings him out of bondage. It's 30 years after the 4,000 years that Yahshua 
again, it's really the same Yahshua. There's Yahshua with Moses and Yahshua at the end. That's the same Yahshua, just in, you know, at the institution of the Old Testament and at the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He begins his ministry at the uh, uh, end of four, or uh, he, he comes in the world 400 years. Then 30 years later, he begins leading Israel, begins his ministry. So Abraham's seed is in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. 30 years later, Yahshua, the son of Nun, using Moses as a front man, is leading Israel out of Egypt. They take three days journey through the Red Sea. Yahshua takes three years of ministry until he brings uh, an end to that and goes through a, a transition like the Red Sea was a transition. And his death, burial, and resurrection is a transition from that antediluvian age to the, I'm sorry, from the post-diluvian age to the present kingdom age. So Yahweh uses Adam as the minister, administrator for the first dispensation, Noah for the second, Abraham for the third, Moses for the fourth. And, you know, there's places where Dr. Kinley even refers to the fourth dispensation as the Mosaic dispensation. And some of this is in your textbooks. If you read it, he has names for all of the ages and the dispensations and a brief description as to what's going on. And he talks about using these individuals, these ministers of his or servants of his in order to bring things to pass. Now, the fifth dispensation uh, begins at Pentecost, Acts the second chapter, right? and those apostles are commissioned to preach the gospel in all the world. Now, the, they cannot preach the gospel around the entire globe. It is not possible for that to happen during the lifetime of those 11 men. But the commission has been given, and the job has been started by a pattern and will continue until that job is completed and finished. When is the job of preaching the gospel and adding souls to the assembly or members to the body of Yahshua going to be completed? The answer is at the end of the sixth dispensation. And this sixth dispensation was Yahweh used Dr. Kinley as the administrator to bring about the things that were necessary to close out the sixth dispensation and to close out the world or to bring us to the end of the world. And, and it's important that we recognize how Yahweh is doing this. And, and so just as the apostles were used to administer the gospel during the fifth dispensation, he used Dr. Kinley to administer during the sixth dispensation. And just as the apostles' ministry carried on through others after that, the ministry of Dr. Kinley carried on by others after Dr. Kinley. But it's the same spirit that's operating in all of those uh, ministers all the way down to do a particular job that has to be done to advance the purpose, to bring Yahweh's purpose to the next stage or age. Now, what has to be done at, in the sixth dispensation? And this is the part that's kind of 
started to amaze me as to where I were so close. And if you go back to Ephesians 1, just read the 10th verse. This is one aspect that just has to be recognized. Ephesians 1 and 10. Mm -hmm. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in the Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, what is the dispensation of the fullness of times? It would be the last dispensation in time. What's the number of the last dispensation of time? That answer is dispensation six. And after that, there will be, as it talks about in Revelation, time no more. So in the sixth dispensation of Yahweh's purpose, and this is what Paul is talking about here, Yahweh made known unto him his purpose and how it was unfolding by a pattern that Yahweh had predetermined to operate according to this pattern. And one of the things was at the end of time or in the dispensation that will close out time, Yahweh would gather together in one, in one what? In one body, which is the body of Yahshua, called the assembly, referred to as the church in the King James Bible, that gathered together in that one body, all things in Yahshua. Now, these are the things that are going to be saved for eternal life in immortal glorification. I want to mention that. And these are the souls that will be uh, saved in Yahshua from the earth, and it will be the angels of heaven that did not get cast out. They are already in the kingdom of Yahshua. Um, and the uh, souls that Yahshua is raising to spiritual life now, and, and I don't want to get caught up on a sidetrack, but the resurrection of souls is going on right now. And uh, a lot of people think of the idea of there'll be a resurrection at the end, which is absolutely true. There will be a resurrection of uh, all these souls to consciousness or life, because it's a resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto damnation. Okay? But the first resurrection, is, which is what's in the Bible, that is going on now by the souls that are spiritually dead being quickened or brought to life or to light. In other words, you were receiving the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua the Messiah. How? By the preaching of the gospel and the revelation of Yahshua to those souls that believe in him. And Yahshua is then revealed in each of these souls and converts those souls so that they're already changed or translated into his kingdom and they are baptized or incorporated into his body. And in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he's going to gather together all, all of them that are needed to complete his body, the angels of heaven and the souls that are being saved from 
those that believe in earth. Uh, and he's going to gather them all together in Yahshua. And that's why it says both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And when the last soul is added to the body of Yahshua, we can all go home. And folks, we are so imminently on the cusp of that occurring. Why? How do you know? In 1975, and Dr. Kinney made a point of this, Jehovah's Witnesses and others had said that would be the year, the end of the world. And he said it wouldn't be because Dr. Kinney said it wouldn't be. They prophesied it and it wouldn't be and it couldn't be. And he pointed out how that the gospel of the kingdom that Yahshua taught had to be preached in all the world and then the end would come. Obviously, it wasn't their gospel because the end hadn't come. And this gospel of the kingdom, folks, is being preached now throughout the entire globe of the earth. And, and, and Yahweh used this plague or pandemic of COVID as a means to push that forward. And it was because we had to close up these in-person classes and the technology was being used such as Zoom and YouTube and other internet-based uh, electronic technology that uh, this gospel is now being preached and heard in all the world. And I want you to understand what it means in all the world now in a way that it wasn't in 1975. We now have brethren in Malaysia, in Australia, in Africa, in multiple places, in Jamaica, in the Bahamas, in England, and in Russia, including Ukraine, in Ukraine, and others that have heard it even in China. And this gospel of the kingdom is now being preached in all the world. We don't even know how many uh, people around the world have heard this gospel preached through the YouTube classes and, and Zoom and so forth. We don't even know how many have. And some of these recordings are sitting out there in the cloud right now. And people can download them and hear them. And, and you know, it's like somebody pointed out, Moses was the first man to get a download from the cloud back there on Mount Sinai. He went up in the cloud on top of Mount Sinai and Yahweh downloaded the vision into him. Okay. <laughs> right. And folks, this vision of revelation has been preached. It's in the cloud and it's there to be downloaded. It's the vision. It's there to be seen and heard. And when the last soul that is needed to be added to the body of Yahshua is added, we can all of us go home because Yahshua will have the last member of his body in place. And he is not going to appear with a body that is missing body parts. So that's why it was absolutely necessary that the gospel be preached in all the world first. That's one of the main things that had to happen 
before the consummation could come. It could not have happened. It would have been an impossibility for that to happen if Yahweh had not given the vision and revelation to Dr. Kinley, and if he had not put it on the charts, if he had not preached the gospel with the Holy Spirit, and if he had not raised up ministers that could carry this on. And so what Yahweh is doing is bringing to pass the finishing touches of what was required for that last operation or dispensation, that last administration uh, of time. Now, um, there's some other things that had to occur first. Uh, go to 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 4, if you would, please. That's 2 Thessalonians uh, Second chapter. Chapter two, verses one through four. Yeah. All right. Yep. Second Thessalonians two and one. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him. Okay, now you... again, I let me I'm sorry, but I just it, Paul is writing to them. Um he had said some this is second letter to the assembly at Thessalonica. Uh, in his first letter, he had talked about the coming of Yahshua toward the end of the letter, the fourth chapter. And he had said some things in a way that the people did not understand. And it created uh, quite a bit of controversy because some people uh, took what he had said or wrote and kind of went off on a tangent, had their ideas uh, about it, which the Christian world has done this same exact thing with that. So Paul had to write the second letter and clarify certain things. And this was one of the main things here. They got the idea, uh, some of them got the idea that Yahshua would come, meaning uh, come into view or be revealed. Now, and let, and let me say this too. Yahshua is not going to come from another location to earth. He's not physical. So he is, he's spiritual. He's not physical. Yahshua is the Holy Spirit. He's not flesh and blood. And he's the only one that has immortality dwelling in the light. And when it's, it, but the Bible talks many times about his coming, his coming, his coming, his coming, his coming, meaning his coming into view his appearance at the universal revelation. Now, this goes back to the coming into view or the appearance of Yahshua, Yahweh Elohim, on the day of atonement on his throne in the most holy place in the tabernacle, when he would come into view in a vision to the priest between the wings of the cherubim upon the mercy seat in the cloud. And Yahshua ascended out of the sight of the apostles and was received by a cloud out of their sight. And there's lots of scriptures where it talks about he'll come in like manner and he'll come with clouds and every eye shall see him, even those that pierced him. And so Paul is talking about his coming. But I want you to understand this doesn't mean his relocation from another place in space to 
this place on the earth. What he is going to do is come into view or into the revelation, the appearance in the heart or the mind, the cloud, uh, or spirit of every soul that has ever existed. Not only those that are currently alive, but all that are past. And when that, this is what he's talking about when he talks about the coming of our Savior, Yahshua, the Messiah. And so Paul is writing to them. He's, he's beseeching them. He's, he's, he's asking them to chill out and just really pay attention to this uh, and, and take what he's going to say seriously here. So he says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua, the Messiah. Uh, please continue reading. And by our gathering together unto him. You're gathering together. Now, yes, we gather in the assemblies physically. We gather on Zoom and YouTube sessions virtually. But the real gathering together is where he is uh, baptizing these souls into the body of Yahshua, where he is incorporating these souls that receive the Holy Spirit into his body. Okay? So by our gathering together unto Yahshua, please continue. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Yah of the Messiah is at hand. Right. See, Paul wrote the letter to him, and a lot of people got troubled by it and thought that Yahshua was going to appear, universal revelation was going to take place right then, okay, any moment. And he says, hey, chill out. Don't think that the day of the Messiah, which is also, by the way, uh, called the day of vengeance, Okay, it's the day of salvation uh, and the day of redemption for the souls that believe him. And it is the day of vengeance for those that reject him. Um, that's the day of the Messiah. Okay, but he says, don't think it's imminent. Don't think it's at hand or going to happen right then when Paul, at, at that year that Paul was writing this letter. Then he goes on. Please read. Third verse. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, mm -hmm. who, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called Yahweh, or that is worshipped, so that he as Yahweh sitting, sitteth in the temple of Yahweh, showing himself that he is Yahweh. Okay, so he says, hey, don't let anyone deceive you. Okay, it, it, by any means, doesn't matter how they would do it, even if they're quoting scripture. He says that day, talking about the day of the Messiah's appearance, the day of your uh, redemption. It's, it's called the redemption of the body. That's why I use that word. You know, let me explain this real quickly. The souls have been redeemed for 2000 years. But the body has not yet been redeemed. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me explain. When Yahshua died, buried, and raised 2,000 years ago, he redeemed all souls from sin. What does redeem mean? It means to pay the price 
to liberate one from a uh, an obligation. Yahshua's blood fully paid the price right. a long time ago, and it paid the price whether you sin down here afterwards or not. The price to redeem you, your soul. Now I'm talking about was paid by Yahshua back there two thousand years ago. Not in the cloud, not back in pure spirit. There was no blood shed back there in pure spirit. All right. You were not redeemed in pure spirit. Okay. No, regardless of what he purposed, he had to carry it out. And he carried it out by shedding his blood. And that's why he says, and emphasizes flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And it, that body of Yahshua was a specially prepared body, prepared to bear the sin of the world and prepared to shed the blood that would be necessary in order to redeem our souls from sin and from Satan. So your soul was redeemed 2,000 years ago, even if you haven't received it yet. But your body still has to be redeemed. And there's an expression in the scriptures where it talks about the redemption of the body. And that body is the body of Yahshua, which includes all the souls that are going to be part of his body. And each individual is going to receive a glorified body in the resurrection, like Yahshua's body. And or as Yahshua said, like the angels of Elohim in heaven in the resurrection. And so that's the redemption of the body. Okay. And so uh, I just wanted to make that point. I mean, because again, Yahweh's doing things in ages, stages, phases, different dispensations or operations. And it's important we understand what he's doing at what point and how he's doing it. You know, Yahweh's just not throwing stuff up against the wall to see what sticks. Right. Everything is happening in that orderly fashion, according to the pattern operated through these dispensations and ages. Anyway, so it says that day, the day of the Messiah, the day of his appearance, the day of the consummation, the day of his wrath, the day of your uh, redemption of the body and so forth shall not come until there is a falling away first. Now, falling away is an apostasy. It's abandonment. Apostasy is abandonment of your commitment, of your faith. It's desertion. Okay? And Yahshua talked about this in the 24th Matthew chapter or chapter of Matthew. You know, he said, because apostasy shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. And folks have left their first love, so to speak, in many cases. And because of that, it has a terrible chilling effect on the souls of believers. It hurts when you see brethren just spurn Yahshua and act like they hate brethren 
and act like they hate Yahshua or have no respect for him whatsoever are, for example, for example, just one example, willing to dismiss his name, Yahshua, in favor of the name of Dr. Kinley or other things. That is a great falling away. That is a great apostasy. And it hurts. It's a terrible thing. And because that apostasy shall abound, then you're going to find a lot of hate. You're going to find the love of many shall wax cold. And we have experienced this. Okay. And Paul says, don't let any man deceive you. Yahshua can't appear until after the apostasy. But the apostasy has to take place so that that man of sin can be revealed, the son of perdition. And Dr. Kinley exposed that man of sin in his time as the Pope of his time. And he did it in writing and he did it in lectures and he did it even in his textbook, which was sent out in 1961. And he said 1960 was the end of the world. And so what he did uh, in 1960 in writing the textbook and preparing to write the textbook and in sending it out in 61 brought about a whole new world. It really did. Um, and I don't have time to get into that. But in reality, 1960 was the end of the world or the end of the present kingdom age. And as Dr. Kinley taught, we're in, a, in an extended probationary period from 1960 on. Now, Dr. Kinley exposed or revealed that man of sin that was manifesting as the Pope of his time. That was the son of perdition. And he opposed and exalted himself above all that is called Elohim or that is worshipped. Uh, let, let me let you read it. I, mean, I don't have to quote it. Go back to the uh, third verse. verse and fourth verse. Yes, three and four. All right, Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called Elohim, or that is worshipped, so that he as Elohim sitteth in the temple of El Elohim, showing himself that he is Elohim. Yes, see, Satan wants to be God. He wants to be superior to Yahweh, in fact. He even said that in his heart, he wanted to uh, ascend above the heights of the clouds. And Yahweh said he would appear in the cloud, and Satan wants to even be superior to that. The real mark of Satan is that he wants to dominate everyone. And folks, you can see that spirit operating in Alexander Putin, an absolute clear manifestation of that. He cares about no one other than his own glory. And he doesn't care about his own people. He doesn't care about anybody in the world. And he's threatening to annihilate the entire world with fire. And that's an example 
of that same spirit that Dr. Kinley exposed in another individual of his time. And uh, he was opposing Yahweh and exalting himself above all that is called Elohim. That is why, <laughs> look, it says Yahweh is holy. Be ye holy, for he is holy. Well, what, what do they call the Pope of Rome? They call him the most holy father. Now, you're not supposed to call any man father on earth, according to Yahshua. But they call these priests father. And they call the Pope the most holy father. And on top of that, Dr. Kinney pointed out, how that when he is crowned as Pope, he even the, the, there, there was a triple crown tiara that was used that he had to get rid of. And they crowned him as Vicarius Filii Dei, which is Latin for the Vicar of the Son of God, which means the substitute for the Son of God. Some people say, well, it's the representative of the Son of God. Yeah, well, okay, representative, but the word vicar or vicarious is Latin. And, you know, you've heard, I think everybody has heard here of living through someone else or some other experience vicariously. When we do something vicariously, we are, for example, looking at a movie and there is a movie star there let's say for some of us guys who have this silly illusion that we're the toughest toughest man around boy we watch these movies these martial artists and it doesn't matter how many men come after them they're able to you know defend themselves and 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 bust up all the people that want to come after him and of course they always get the woman always get the girl right another and 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 they you know have all the power that they need and the glory and everything else and you you look at that and you say yeah that's the hero and you know people will look at those things and you know you you kind of imagine yourself being similar to that of course we know it's not that way but doing that is what they call living vicariously your one thing is a substitute that's a substitute for reality it's imagination okay and they have imagined, and this type of imagination is a delusion, okay? Because when there, there's a difference between having a fantasy as an imagination, which you know is not real, and then believing your fantasy uh, and, and thinking that it is the reality, that's called a delusion. And he mm. says, Yahweh will send them strong delusion. Well, he sent them very strong delusion uh, in actually believing that the Pope of Rome is the substitute for the Son of God on earth. And the doctrine is that he has all the power of the Son of God himself, Yahshua, they call him Jesus, on earth. And, and, and that is that includes the power of life and death over others. Okay, 
Um, and, and, and they say that while Jesus is absent, while he is gone away, until he comes back for his church, the Pope stands in his position as a substitute with all the power of Jesus Christ himself. And that makes him God of gods on the earth or ruler of rulers on the earth or king of kings on the earth. And Alexander Putin has very similar fantasies, delusions about his own power. He wants the power of the old Russian czar and the power that was achieved even during the Soviet Union, but with him personally and individually being the man that has life and death power over everyone, and he has no regard for anyone. So he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God or as Yahweh, you know, he's, he's thinking of it as God. He's not really thinking about Yahweh. He sits in the temple of Yahweh, showing himself that he is the mighty one. Okay. Now, I go through that to explain. Dr. Kinley had to expose the Pope. He had to expose Satan in there. And there had to be other apostasies or fallings away and other exposures of Satan operating, and that has to occur before the universal revelation of Yahshua. And as Paul writes, don't let any man deceive you by any means, because that day of Yahshua's vengeance and wrath, the day of his revelation and glory, that day shall not come except there come the falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed or exposed. And Yahweh used Dr. Kinley to do that. And I'm going to give you another scripture in, I don't know about time here, but um, I want you to see that what I'm talking about is in the Bible. Um, and Dr. Kinley talked about it too. Uh, would you please go to Revelation chapter 10? Um, Revelation 10. Yeah, and I'm going to have you read the first two verses and skip on down. I think it's verse 7, I believe, after that. Okay, so Revelation 10 and 1 through 2, and then jump down to 7. Please. Okay, Revelation 10, 1, 10 and 1. <clears throat> and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as if excuse me, as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of a fire. And he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Okay, I want you to remember that. He set his right foot on the sea and he set his left foot on the earth. Okay, uh, let me just explain this real quick. Um, can you pull up the Moses chart? I want you to see this. Great. Wonderful. Now, here you see in the cloud, Yahweh Elohim showing himself to Moses on the left, John on the right. John is on an island surrounded by water. Moses is on a mountain, which is earth. And here you are looking at this. 
And if you understood what's going on, you're literally looking into the face of Yahweh Elohim right now. Mm -hmm. You are looking at Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua revealing himself as the vision, if you can see it. For example, if you look at this and think of Moses as being one ear and John as being another ear, and then you look at where it says Canaan land, you see two witnesses of the pattern there, the tabernacle and the temple. Those are as two eyes. And then you come down to the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's as a nose. And then you come on down to the Red Sea being opened up. And then the door of the uh, Israelites being opened there in the land of Egypt. That's an open mouth. So you got the mouth, the nose, the eyes, the ears in the hair or the cloud. And what is happening here is you're looking at the face of Yahweh Elohim. And what he's doing is showing you what is in his mind or his purpose by a vision. And where it says creation by the pattern, and Moses is seeing the vision, John is seeing the vision, all those plates in there, that's the vision of Yahweh Elohim. That's what's being seen. That's the name of the last book of the Bible is the revelation of Yahshua. The last book of the Bible is not the end of times. It's the revelation of Yahshua. But Yahshua can't be revealed until these certain things take place. Now, so here he is projecting this. It's Yahweh's spirit that was in Moses. It's Yahweh's spirit that was in John. And it took Dr. Kinley, Yahweh's spirit in Dr. Kinley, to put the two together like no one throughout all of history ever did or ever will do again. Right. It, it, that was why his vision and revelation was stupendous divine panoramic vision that encompassed both Moses' vision and John's vision. And so if Dr. Kinley is sitting kind of like where you would be sitting looking at this chart, he puts his right foot upon the sea over there where John is, the Aegean Sea, and the left foot upon the earth over there where Moses is on that mountain. Those are his two witnesses. He's standing on those visions that Yahweh Elohim gave him. And that is that angel with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth, that is Yahweh using Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in that capacity of that angel. Okay, I'll finish this. I hope you can see. Now, going down to the seventh verse. Mm -hmm. Seventh verse. <clears throat> but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of Yahweh should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now, that seventh angel, when he begins to sound, it says the mystery of Yahweh should be finished. And I already told you, as Dr. Kinley explained, that when he explained Yahweh's mysteries, they weren't mysteries any longer. So the mysteries were finished. He had wrapped them up and he declared that he himself was the seventh angel and that he was the man, the only man that Yahweh sent at the end of the world or the end of the age 
to accomplish these particular things and close out the age. Now, in fact, I've got some, well, if we've got a few minutes, I've got some excerpts of scriptures I can bring up if I share screen. I can pull this up pretty quickly. Okay, go ahead. If uh, we got a few minutes to do this. Yep, I'm going to stop sharing and uh, let me just change the settings so you can share. Okay. All right, give me one second. Yep, sure. Okay, it's all yours. All right, let's see. I think this will do it. Okay, can you see the screen now with the words? Yep. Okay. Now, these are excerpts of uh, some lectures that Dr. Kinley gave on this uh, or that addressed this topic. Okay. Um, lecture 45 here, Sunday, December 21st, 75, last lecture when in the importance of coming to school, and I just highlighted some certain things. He said, listen carefully. I have told you repeatedly for 44 years, I was the man that Yahweh sent in the world in these last days to teach you the truth. I'm the man, the only man. And that doesn't make Dr. Kinley the savior, but he's the man that Yahweh Elohim was using to operate, okay? He used Adam, he used Noah, he used Abraham, he used Moses, he used Peter and the apostles. And in this last dispensation of time, he used Dr. Kinley. And he's using others that he puts his spirit in. But it, every one of us would be completely left in the dark without this revelation of the mystery of Yahweh if it had not been for what, what Yahweh did through the ministry of Dr. Kinley. And so he says, I'm the man, I'm the only man. Okay. And then if you go on down, he says, now this peace mission is necessary. Now, just one quick note on that. This, he's talking about the third ecclesiastical peace mission. Dr. Kinley did not go bodily with them on that peace mission because he died beforehand. And Joshua, the son of Nun, did not go bodily up to Mount Sinai, up to the peak of Mount Sinai, on the third trip Moses took into the mountain. And Joshua, the Messiah, did not go bodily, I'm talking about his physical body, ascending on the cloud from Mount Olivet on the third trip into the mountains that Yahshua took in fulfillment of those three trips of Moses. And when the high priest took his third trip on the day of atonement into the most holy place, he had on garments for glory and beauty on that trip, which symbolized the glorified body of Yahshua, the Messiah, not the same body that he was in the world that took away sin. Okay. So he has to have the third peace mission because there has to be three trips of Moses in the Mount, three trips of the priest in the tabernacle, three trips of Yahshua into the mountains and three ages of time have, he has to take a trip across all three ages of time and complete them and ascend at the end of the third age, which is where we are right now. And he's going to appear in that cloud at the end of this third age, just like he appeared in the cloud when he went up into 
the uh, mountain of Olivet on that third trip and ascended out of their sight, just like he appeared in the cloud there on the third trip that the priest took into the most holy place. And, and just like Yahweh revealed himself to Moses as Yahshua uh, that would come in and fulfill, and the third trip that Moses had into Mount Sinai in the cloud. So that's why he says the peace mission is necessary. He's got to complete the pattern. Okay. Now, um, and then uh, he talks about the priest went in the sanctuary and in and out on the day of atonement three times in the most holy place. And then he talks about the third peace mission. Then he goes on and he says this. Now, from 1961 down until the present time, these true names have been circulated. They've gone all over the world. That is preaching all over the world. And to show it, he says, you can go into bookstores now and just almost pick up almost any book and you'll find the names in them. Back there in 1961, it was not like that. So he's showing the effect of him preaching the gospel. And he brought the name out in 1960 and 61. And the uh, Holy Name Bible was published two years after that in 63. And okay, uh, so anyway, I'll go on. Here's another one here uh, from the same lecture. He says, I have told you repeatedly, whoops, no, no, I'm sorry, that's the same one. I duplicated it, forgive me. Here's uh, from another lecture called Aya Asher Aya, Cain and Abel, July 69. And if you just read again this section, he says, and then our book went out in 61, meaning 1961, and this Holy Name Bible came out in 63. I guess I mentioned that to you. Um, and he goes on, he says, I say, and you can't make me take it back, that Yahweh sent me in the world in the close of this age to show you both mysteries. Do you understand? Okay. In other words, he is exposing that mystery of iniquity as well as showing and revealing Yahshua. So then he talks about these mysteries, this mystery of Yahweh. And he says, this mystery of Yahweh, it's finished. I'm putting the finishing touches on it. And believe it or not, that's what he sent me here for. And you got the mystery of iniquity and you got the mystery of Yahweh. And when I began to sound down at the end of this age, I'm revealing it to you and the mystery is finished. He is the seventh angel. And he says, well, that mystery was hid. It was hid for ages. And I come and blowed that. In other words, blew it open. It took me 35 years to blow it. In other words, till 19... Uh, I guess that would be whenever it was. But anyway, uh, it took me 35 years to blow it, but I blowed it, didn't I? And then he goes on, there's another one, Mystery of Iniquity, Mystery of Yahweh, Institute and Fulfill Carnal Ordinances. He said, now that's the mystery of Yahweh. It should be finished. And he was talking about the seventh angel that we just read about there. He says, now we got to finish on this thing. See, we understand it and we can explain it to you, jot and tittle. And I am the man Yahweh sent in the world. 
and you're looking straight at him. How about that? And I say to you, just as Yahshua the Messiah said, quote, if I don't do the works of him that sent me, don't you believe me? So in other words, again, Yahweh had a mission for Dr. Kinley, and he carried it out. And that mission is what was necessary in order to finish the sixth dispensation and to bring this present kingdom age to its end. So the universal revelation of Yahshua could take place and so forth. And he says, you're on what we might call a long probationary period, probationary period or, or a short one. I can't tell you the date. In other words, he can't tell you the date of the consummation. I'm not allowed to. He didn't say he didn't know it. He said, I'm not allowed to tell you. You'll find in Matthew 24th chapter, it says, my master has delayed his coming. And you'll begin to be slothful, uninterested, and unconcerned. And all these things crop in your head, which is an indication of the last go-round. Now, that's, I think, a relevant point for all of us. We should not get to a point to where we go, man, I've heard about the end of the world for all the years I've been in class, and they predicted it to happen before 96. They predicted it to happen before 2000. They predicted it to happen before 2010, and whatever other date somebody picked, doesn't matter. And it hasn't happened, okay? And so we just kind of give up and say, no, not going to be there's not really going to be an end of the world. It's just, I'll, I'll give you an example of what some people will do. It's just an end of an age. It'll just be like the end of the antediluvian age going to the post-diluvian age, but the physical earth will still remain. Mm -hmm. uh, see, all that kind of thing. Okay, And that's not the way it's going to be, folks. This world will be burnt up. And the wrath of Yahweh is manifest in that. And I, I know I don't have time to go into all that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he goes on in here. And he says, now Judas had to take them 30 pieces of silver back. He tried to return them. I told you that last night. Now, Pope Paul is the first pope in history. He was 66 years old when he was crowned. I mean, Paul VI. He's 66. And that's the mark of the beast the 666. And he's the first pope in history that's ever sent in his resignation and cast the 30 pieces of silver back. Okay. And he, and, and Dr. Kinney is showing that he is as Judas at the end. Uh, and that, that that's how, see, Satan was exposed in Judas. Uh, and, and Yahshua did that at the Last Supper. There's more detail to this. Obviously, I don't have time for the details. And he has admitted that the Roman Catholic Church was wrong. And he seeks to retire. He hasn't seen any way to overcome that stupendous error that he's made in writing that encyclical on birth control. Now, and I'm talking about, I'm talking at this point. Now, this week, the Pope, the current Pope, has admitted that the church did these terrible things with uh, those uh, people in Canada, with those children 
that they they terrorized in Canada, and he's apologized for it. He's recognized that he's and, and the church has done wrong. And Dr. Kinley goes on. Now the seventh angel that I told you, now that's that's uh that's me. I'm sounding the mystery of Yahweh that is finished. You can't find nothing, nothing in nature, nothing nowhere that I ain't told you about. Ironed it out and everything else. Am I through? <laughs> so everybody, and then he says, everybody's through. So I want you to understand where you and I are. I mean, I want you to really appreciate the point where we're at in Yahweh's purpose. We are, those things that had to occur before the consummation, the wrath of Yahweh could take place and the resurrection and glorification of the sons. Before that could take place, folks, those things now have basically been finished. And we are at the moment we are the appearing of Yahshua. His revelation is imminent. And we should be just shouting happy and just excited as we can possibly be. But I want you to understand, there's going to be both joy and suffering. And you may have to go some through some suffering now. But the joy that will come is not to be, it, it, it's so much greater that the sufferings of this present age are not even to be compared with the glory and the joy that shall be revealed in us. So I, I think I'm done with that. Um, I hope I'm trying to stop the share here. <laughs> um, in any case, I hope that uh, was of some value and uh, I'll just leave it there. Praise Yahshua. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, uh, Dr. Welch, uh, for that powerful lecture. Um, we have uh, 10 minutes left in the uh, lecture. And for our last speaker, we're going to have uh, Dr. Uh, Rodney Brazil from the Southfield class. Good evening to the class. Good evening. Um, I am very grateful that Yahweh has allowed us to um, be able to um, continue to be enriched by the revelation of Yahshua Messiah and his purpose. And Yahweh having revealed to us so many things he is making things clearer and clearer to us as we get close to the end of this age. Um, I want to go back to the ages and dispensations chart. And I want to look at this present kingdom age for a minute. And we've been talking a lot about this age and what is particularly um, significant about this age. And this age is not like any other before it. 
um, whereas, and in this respect, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this age being a permanent gift of Yahweh um, makes this age particularly significant in Yahweh's purpose. Uh, this age being the fourth age is the midst of the week. And like the midst of the week, or like you have in your tabernacle pattern, you had the spirit poured into, or pardon me, the oil, which represented the spirit that lit the lampstand was poured into that fourth branch. Um, that fourth branch representing Yahshua the Messiah. So here in this fourth age, you had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That is Yahshua the Messiah come nigh unto us. That is Yahshua the Messiah that's nigh unto us from the beginning of this age all the way to the end of this age, as the previous speaker went into. And one of the things that Yahweh has revealed about what we are dealing with in this age, and it's the magnitude of it is so overwhelming that most of us, I would say, are not fully cognizant of just what has happened to us that we've been incorporated into the spiritual body of Yahshua the Messiah, which it says on this chart, the spiritual assembly body of Yahshua the Messiah. And this is not a future thing. This has occurred with us right now. And I want you to get um, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, let's start about the 15th verse. Hebrews. 12 and 15. Mm -hmm. Looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of Yahweh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby may be defiled. Least be. Well, Dr. Lewis, I'm looking for where he says, You are not come to the mount that might be touched. And that's an, it could be a little further down in the 20 something okay. verse, 12th chapter. Uh, that is, uh, I'll start at um, Hebrews 12 and let me start at where we were at basically. Okay. <laughs> but, that's <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, uh, 17th verse, uh -huh. I'll start at. For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he, I see he, though he, he, though he sought, sought it carefully with tears, excuse me. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched uh -huh. and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which right. voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Right. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, 
it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart. So there was a physical mountain back there, Mount Sinai, and Yahweh dwelt in the cloud atop and spoke down to the children of Israel such a fearful thing that they could not tolerate it. Now, Paul is saying, you have not come to that, this physical mountain. And it was an amazing, magnificent event that they experienced being around that mount. But that's not what you've come to. Mm -hmm. What did Paul say you've come to? 22nd verse. Mm -hmm. But you are come unto Mount Zion. Now, as I, I, this was dull to me too until I heard the lecture of Dr. Kelly talking about this, where he strength, he, he, he made a, a particular point of um, highlighting that Paul is saying, but you are come, you are come mm-hmm. to what? But you are come unto Mount Zion. Right. Unto the city of the living Elohim. The living the, Elohim, read on. The heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to heavenly Jerusalem, read on. And to an innumerable company of angels. You are come to an innumerable company of angels. Now we think that that's not so, because we don't see them. But what Paul is describing is what transpired in this fourth age, just not like any other. With the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Yahshua made effectual what he said to his disciples, that he went away to prepare a place for them so that where he is, he was in that physical body at that time with an immortal, eternal spirit walking around in heavenly places while he was yet on earth. That's why you have at the bottom of our elementary chart, after the outpouring Holy Spirit, you have manifested heaven Mm -hmm. all the way across the bottom of that chart. Because this that Paul is saying is effectual right now. You have come to heavenly Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And because it does not appear that, we believe that that is not so. And I'm not talking about you having a spiritual body. I said, Yahshua said he went to prepare a place for you so that where he was, there you may be also. He was in a physical body with that eternal spirit manifest within him that's the place that he made for you Mm. little as uh, quiet as is kept that's where adam was before the transgression with yahweh elohim walking around in him in perfect peace and harmony with yahweh elohim yahshua restored the man back from where he fell that's where we are now. And that is hard for people to become conscious of, truly conscious of being in the body of Yahshua the Messiah right now right. with that name. Mm-hmm. Now, the lecture Dr. Kelly had in the first part of the convention, first national convention, where he talked about that, 
giving a new name. He said, I told you what that new name was. That new name is Yahshua. And all of heaven and earth are called by that one name, that new name. He said, that's your name. And as we progress through this age to come to the culmination of Yahweh's purpose and the revelation of Yahshua the Messiah, we should practice being more and more conscious of just who we are at the end of this age. You will find that it is the only thing that will give you solace or comfort through what we will have to experience before we get out of here. You have to know where Yahshua is, and that's in you now. I hope you got something out of it, and there's a lot to chew on and digest, and we will do more of that in the conferences coming up. Peace be unto all of you in Yahshua the Messiah, and I hope to see you there soon. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Brazil. All right, that brings an end and close to our class this evening. Uh, it was a beautiful class tonight. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to thank our, our speakers, uh, Dr. John Quates, Dr. Terry Welch, and Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Hope that you enjoyed this. Our classes are held uh, held here uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And on Sundays from uh, 11.30 to 1.30 on Zoom, 11 to 1 when we are in person. Uh, just a reminder, tonight will be the last class for this week, this Thursday. Uh, there will not be a Zoom class uh, due to the fact uh, uh, of the uh, Chicago lectures taking place. And our next class will resume on Zoom on Tuesday, uh, which is the, the, 12th. the 12th. Thank you very much. Um, all right, so that brings a close uh, to class this evening. Uh, may we all stand for doxology in our heart and our mind. Uh, this doxology is taken from the last book of Jude, the last two verses. Now to him that's able to keep you from falling and to present your soul faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua, the Messiah, our Sovereign, belongs glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and for all times. Let us all say, hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.